0: King, yeah, Kingway, Foxbeard, Lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Bristol's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendy's dog, Ransom is very hot. Four drive, Black Alert, Georgio has gone berserk.
1: Teacher Batless Edward is an idiot Fock is dead
0: Wolf is wet, Chekhov's wearing red Data's cat
1: Gempack's fat Q is that enough of that Beam me up Make it so Everybody let's go We, we talk about, about the series the you, the the you can join us live By picking up your phone now We talk about, about the, the you series we the We're coming to you on your streaming services now We talk about the series we and
2: Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday night. It is 7:30 p.m. That means we are live right now. That means you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talkin. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And if you're a fan of Star Trek fan films, you're definitely going to want to call because we're going to have Joshua Michael Irwin on. He's the writer, producer and director of the Avalon universe uh, fan film Star Trek line. So we've had him on the podcast before and uh, he's going to be joining us a little bit later talk about his latest project so definitely give us a call we're going to have some fun i'm your most excellent host uncle jim and with me as usual we have my truck spurts and we'll start out with charles out in las vegas how you doing tonight charles
3: uh, i'm doing good our crazy weather here and trying to deal with the sporting events going on around the city just trying yeah, to join my little corner.
2: Game on there, right? Or, uh, I believe it's a, a rugby no. game, if I remember right.
0: Rugby, rugby yeah. No,
3: baseball season's over.
4: Something to do with Runs a bowl April.
0: that's that's really yeah. big. Is it called the Big Bowl or something? I don't know. I thought,
4: yeah, I thought it was a Ferengi game. game. <laughs> could, yeah, it
0: could be. <laughs> Giant Dabo? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, And uh, we also have with us from Portland, my triple play, my trifecta, my hat trick, if you will. And we'll start off with Paul, the toy guy.
5: How you doing, Paul? Hello there, buddy. How's it going? Doing well out here. Doing well. Been a busy, busy, crazy week, and uh, this should be a fun conversation tonight. So looking forward to it, fellas. It's going to be
2: fun. It always is. And we also have with us the donut guy himself, David, who's chomping down on an apple turnover as we speak how you doing david
4: pretty sad i'm down to one donut
2: Uh (laughs) uh-oh just don't feed the tribbles after midnight or get them wet and you'll be fine okay (laughs) (laughs) and also from portland we have our very own eric with us tonight how you doing tonight eric
0: I'm doing pretty good. You know, I was just trying to figure out how to fire a beam from the main deflector dish uh, without blowing every single relay out. Uh, so, well, such is the life of an engineer. What can I say?
2: Yeah, yeah. We're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast. But that's not all. Not only are we going to talk about Star Trek fan films, but as usual, we have our Star Trek birthday. So you can find out who you share a birthday with. We also have our fan shout-outs. And we have our Star Trek news section. You know, Jonathan Freaks has a new project that he's working on. But is it Star Trek related? We'll have to hang around to find out. And uh, Catherine Hicks dishes on Shatner. Man, that's, that's a hard one to believe, huh? Who could dish on Shatner, right?
1: <laughs> really? Come on. Who,
2: who could? Who could? And, you know, who, who is couldn't? Star Trek? greatest hero you might be surprised to find out all that and so much more on tonight's podcast so as i said our phone number is 646-668-2433 and we would absolutely love to hear from you guys just uh pick up the phone and give us a call all right guys so every week we start off our show with fan shoutouts you can be mentioned in the future fan shoutout by heading over to trektalking.com why you're there, there's a great blog. There's articles on Star Trek Away missions, uh, all kinds of great stuff there. And all of our previous podcasts, you can listen to all of them, including our conversation with Elizabeth Dennehy, which was just fantastic. Or how about when we talk to Robin Curtis? You can find that one there as well. Up in the upper right-hand corner, there's a Facebook uh, emblem. You click on that, take you right to our Facebook page. And you'll see a post pinned to the top saying, yo, dude, where are you listening from? All you got to do is tell us, leave some emojis, catch my attention. If you see a heart next to your name, that means you're going to be mentioned in a future fan shout-out. So, with that, do you want to get us started with our fan shout-outs this week, Eric?
0: Of course I do. We're gonna spin that globe over to Europe, and we're gonna say hello to Alex Van Missen, who's saying hello to us from Belgium, sending us uh, two emojis: a little Belgian flag and a little "Live Long and Prosper" hand symbol. Alex, thank you so much for listening to us in Belgium. That looks like a cool country with such a cool blend of different cultures coming from here and there, the left and right, up and down. I can't wait to visit there someday. Thank you so much for supporting our podcast. Also saying and hello I agree. this week. Too. <laughs> well, I know that the mussels from Brussels, uh, you know, comes from around the way. So uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, that would appreciate that
2: <laughs> Belgian waffles, baby. Nothing there good. we go.
0: And the waffles. Yeah. The mussels from Brussels and the waffles, man. Forget about and the waffles. All right. Also saying hello this week to Andreas Lieflander who is saying hello to us from Karlsruhe, Germany. Uh, A very cool area that I cannot wait to get to. I hope to get there very soon. Andreas, thank you for supporting us right there in the heart of Europe. Also hello this week to Adam Lear, saying hello to us from Birmingham, England, just across the pond. With a little Live Long and Prosper hand there, Adam we really do appreciate all our listeners in the UK. You are one of our biggest supporters. Every time we take the numbers, the UK is right up there uh, in that number one slot. So thank you, Adam, for being part of that awesome group of people. And finally, on my list this week, we have top fan Trudy Papadopoulos from Melbourne, Australia, down under with a little Australian flag there. Top fan status means that Trudy doesn't just say hello every once in a while. She says hello all the time on the Facebook page, commenting, posting, uh, looking at Jim's memes, etc. <laughs> so Tr- Trudy Papadopoulos, thank you so much for supporting us all the way on that other part of the globe. Uh, but, you know, that's awfully far from home, so I feel like I'm going to spin this globe back over to Charles, and we're probably going to bring it back stateside, right, brother?
3: Yep, let's bring it back to the U.S. Let's welcome Bucky Joe from Texas. Welcome, Bucky. And not just
6: Texas, but Texas.
3: With With three exclamation
0: points. points. Yeah. (laughs)
6: Because
0: everything's bigger in Texas.
3: Yeah. Welcome to John Welker from Central California, USA. Central, okay, about the middle of California. Welcome, Brian Goldman from Singer, Wisconsin. Uh, we need to go over him, over to him, to get some uh, cheese and some beer. And welcome to Nick Reynolds from Kirk's birthplace, Iowa. Are you checking out Kirk's uh, future uh, hangouts, David? Who's on
4: your list? Yeah, <clears throat> I would like to say a warm welcome to Alan in Delma from Chicago, Illinois area. Uh, thanks for supporting. And um next on the list is a warm welcome to Diane Indridgey from Washington State. Thanks for supporting us. And I got a couple of top fans here. Uh the first top fan is David M. Medzger from Indiana. Thank you so much for listening to us. And the next top fan is Donna Barham Adams from Central Florida. Thank you so much for listening. And, Paul, I'm going to pass this over to you. Thanks, David. Well, first of all, I'd like to say a
5: hearty hello to our good friend Robert Nielsen, who hails from Paisley, Scotland. Now, Paisley is a pretty big town in the lowlands there. It is essentially uh, west of Glasgow, right? So pretty fantastic place, uh, great climate, and uh, a lot of enthusiastic uh, Jim-catching uh, emojis from Robert. Uh, many, many <laughs> laughing faces and uh, some live long and prosper action there. So
0: definitely <laughs> great ad-
5: to hear from you. It's
0: a new adjective there, man. Jim-catching. Jim-catching. Jim-catching.
5: Jim-catching. <laughs> 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 That's right. you would like to... Trap a wild Jim. You just simply have to put like an emoji out there or something like that. Or, or, or. Though lately, Jim's been favoring the cheesecake. I mean, if you know what yes. I'm saying, it's been yeah. like replete and ubiquitous True. on the page. I'm like I'm <laughs> prat- practically blinded five or six times during the day. I'm like, Jim, what's going on? I don't understand it. The 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 the, the, the puns, the uh, Kirk and uh, the Kirk, the Picard micro puns are Love transforming into some kind of Victoria's Secret catalog. I'm not quite sure I understand it but uh, but you know <laughs> the one constant in the universe friends is change but as That's i said true. previously robert nielsen is a top fan as is john walter zuki dostoevsky from the magical land of rome uh, italia and that is a gorgeous spot and that is basically the cradle of the universe as far as i'm concerned i love greece but man rome Italy that's that's where my is. so it's a beautiful place and John uh, that's a heck of a name to uh, John Walter Zucchi Dostoevsky I mean I I got to find out what's going on with that that's uh, that's a heck of a calling card my friend so I love that you are over there I hope wherever you are on this uh, evening in Italy you're enjoying uh, all things uh, that are part of the magical culinary life of uh, living in Italy so here's to you and not too far away, top fan Haris Salimovic is in Bosnia, another exciting and wonderful place that has got a great history to it. So, Haris, it is wonderful to hear from you. The three top fans in a row. And uh, next for me it is our good friend Maria Khan. Uh, Maria Khan is from the city in Pakistan that we know of as Lahore. Lahore is the capital and one of the largest cities in uh, the Pakistani province of Punjab. It's
6: like the second largest city
5: there after Karachi. It's got a population, friends, of like 13 million people. So picture that, if you will. I mean, the the last time I checked, the New York population was still under 20 million. It's about 19 and change, which Mm. is still a lot. But imagine, if you will, uh... Uh, a city that large. I mean, that's just amazing. God like, says people are like, sometimes Americans are challenged to find Pakistan on a map, but that is a lot of human beings, and guess what? That's a lot of Star Trek fans as well. <laughs> so,
3: yep, and she's a con.
5: And yeah, she's a con? Yeah. Now, Maria, I'm not sure if that's a male or female pronunciation of Maria, because it's M-A-R-R-I-A. So we must be careful if we lob our genders around okay. we don't want to make too many uh, assumptions exactly so you know but maria is uh, flying the flag proudly there from lahore and uh, it just makes me feel good to know that there are people all over the planet who are united watching star trek and enjoying it and checking out the reruns and perhaps collecting star trek merchandise and I don't know, the world feels smaller to me and more united knowing that there's that glue that holds us together. So I think this is, I always love the fact that we're such an international uh, audience. I think it's really great stuff. Wouldn't you concur, Uncle Jim? I would concur,
2: and I'm going to bring it right back home to Leventown, New York, uh, where we're going to say thank you to Michael O'Malley, who flashes us to live long and prosper. We also want to say thank you to James Anger, who happens to be listening in Stephen King's home state of Maine. We want to say thank you to Fred Nielsen, who's listening to us in New Jersey. And last, but definitely not least, we want to say ka and thank you to Greg Swab, who's listening to us in Buffalo, New York. If you guys would like to hear your name mentioned in a future fan shout-out, as I said, just head over to our Facebook page and uh, tell us where you're from. We would love hear from you and have you mentioned on a future fan shout out. Now, while we are waiting for Josh to get here, he's going to be here shortly. We're going to kind of jump ahead a little bit and we're going to do a little bit of star Trek news. And we're going to start off with one of Eric's favorite, favorite segments. Take it away, Eric.
0: Uh, it's my favorite news. segment. My favorite news segment is Shatner says what? Where we celebrate all of the crazy and cool things that William Shatner Brings to the table in the press. William Shatner talks Star Trek's "go boldly" phrase and what he thinks it means. William Shatner has another project on the way, and while it's not explicitly tied to Star Trek, there is talk of "quote boldly going" or rather, going boldly. As the longtime actor released a trailer for his upcoming documentary, William Shatner, you can call me Bill, and waxed put poetic on his thoughts on what the oft-repeated phrase in the franchise he's most known for meant to him. While his work as James C. Kirk may be one of the major highlights of his career, there's no shortage of memorable projects the actor has been part of. Outside of the possibility that he could be brought back to Star Trek via artificial intelligence, it would appear that this is the closest we get to seeing him back in the franchise. As far as William Shatner is concerned, He seems content to stay away from the franchise and pursue other endeavors. The actor even confessed last year that playing Captain Kirk wasn't the most meaningful role in his career. With a long career spanning several decades, there are a lot of interesting projects for this documentary to choose from. Like his iconic episodes from the classic version of The Twilight Zone, Shatner gives two wildly different performances in that, but both are equally iconic. William Shatner, you can call me Bill. Will be released in theaters on March 22nd in theaters. Everybody, that's pretty cool. He's going to actually have it out there. Uh, you know what? I might, I might pay 12 bucks to go see that. I mean, uh, he is a legend of Star Trek, and. Uh, you know, it'd be, it's always kind of fun to hear him talk about stuff, especially if he's going to talk about this Twilight Zone episode, which I, I don't know that I've heard him talk about before. I'm sure he has somewhere, but I just – I'm not familiar with any spot he's talked about it before. Do,
4: do we know if this movie is like a documentary or is it an actual movie? Well,
0: it sounds like a documentary. It's a documentary.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. Speaking of, I have, the, uh, I have the trailer of him uh, waxing poetically, uh, Ooh, of cool. course. We have to play this because it's Shatner
7: It's an interesting phrase, go boldly. What is there to boldly go into?
5: You're William Shatner. So you can go me Bill.
7: Do we ever present ourselves as we really are to somebody else? Can we be absolutely honest? As we get older, we ask ourselves questions. Do we really know each other? Do we really know ourselves? Why are we here? Must go get some answers.
0: Risk. Risk is our
6: business.
7: Everything's risky, but there's something beautiful about that. I'll face whatever you have behind those doors. And come out exactly as I went in. I haven't changed the world. But what is a legacy are the good deeds go boldly go with courage go with commitment that's what it means and then boldly go into the next adventure that's the story of my life it's the search for love symmetry and passion that curiosity is what keeps us
2: I thought it was a search for Spock. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) so, I mean, what I do like is that, you know, I mean, clearly this guy, what is he? He's like 91 years old, I think, right now. Um, So, you know, we're, we're, this is a person who has lived a long and storied life. And certainly, there is wisdom to be shared for him. Um, he's been the. Fortunately, we've heard a lot from him over the years already. So I'm really interested to see, you know, what this documentary brings to the table that that we sort of haven't heard from um, from Bill before. So, uh, you can call me Bill. is coming out in uh, March, March 22nd. And from now on, I kind of feel like I have to call him Bill Shatner. I've always called him William, but he's uh, literally titled You Can Call Me Bill. So uh, thanks, Bill. Yeah, well, i you tell can, you what. You
4: can, have, you can have met that. He actually has a really good documentary, boys.
0: Of
7: course he does.
4: Yeah. Because yeah. his timing
7: very, is impeccable.
4: Uh, <laughs> he,
2: when I think of William Shatner, I immediately think of like T.J. Hooker, you know, Tech War, uh, you know, I never really Star Trek doesn't really come to mind when I hear William Shatner. It's the plethora of other characters oh. that he's played his career are right at the top of my list. Mm-hmm. That's just me, though. you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys,
0: but yeah. Well, that's a. I mean, no, there's no question. That's a classic Twilight Zone episode. So, like I said, I'd I'd be happy to hear him chat about that a little bit.
2: Oh yeah, I, mean, I think know, of it and. Uh... I was going to say, Kingdom of the Spiders. Yes, I think of Kingdom of the Spiders
5: when I hear William Shatner.
2: What
0: are you going to say, Polly?
5: Oh, I was just going to say, um, uh, you know, I had the good um, fortune a few years ago to actually go over to Mr. Shatner's house and, and visit him, right? It was a rare opportunity. And framed above the toilet is a great big uh, placard, and it says, go boldly, right there over the toilet. So, you know, so, you know it's clearly a motto he's embraced in many ways. Oh, so. wow. Go boldly. Is that a joke, <laughs> or is it supposed to go? <laughs> David's all like, David, how I, did you get house? I am always serious. Aren't I always?
1: Aren't I always serious? Always. 100 brand
5: on the show. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> 100
1: percent.
5: The well, picture of sobriety. Being serious, at all.
2: We have <laughs> some serious news that came out of the Saturn Awards. Would you like to continue on with
5: with our oh. news while we're I would love to be able to do I love the reverse order of our segments here tonight. It's actually quite refreshing. I think it's lovely to start with the news. I think we may set a precedent here, but it was really great news, and there were some just amazing photographs from this event. But this is really exciting because uh, a, a big event within the science fiction uh, media community is the Saturn Awards each year, and Star Trek Picard won four Saturn Awards, and Strange New Worlds won one. And we got to see a lot of these folks commingling together at the various parties and uh, uh, celebrations that uh, are adjacent to the Saturn Awards. So pretty great. Um, Picard started off with seven nominations total in five categories and came away with four wins, including Best Science Fiction Television Series, which is amazing. Uh, Sir Patrick uh, Stewart won Best Actor in a television series for his work in Picard. That's quite a notor- notable achievement there. Um, he beat out uh, Strange New World star, uh, Anson Mount along with uh, Tyler Hoechlin from Superman and Lois, uh, Sam Hoyan from Outlander, Diego Luna from Andor, Pedro Pascal for The Last of Us, and Harold Tarno from uh, From. Uh, the Picard wins just kept on coming with Jonathan Frakes winning for Best Supporting Actor in a Television Series. He beat out other Picard cast members, Ed Spalliers and Todd Stashwick, as well as uh, Ethan Peck over there at Strange New World. So a lot of across-the-bar kind of uh, camaraderie there from the two uh, franchise series. Also for the award were Harvey Guilin, uh, What We Do in the Shadows, a fantastic show. If you've not checked that out yet, it is hilarious. Love it. it. Uh, Ernie Hudson for Quantum Leap and Matt Smith for the excellent House of the Dragon, uh, really terrific uh, show as well. Finally for Picard was the great Jerry Ryan, who won Best Supporting Actress in the television series, beating Out Strange New Worlds actresses, Jess Bush and Celia Rose Gooding, as well as Genevieve O'Reilly for Andor, Katie Sackhoff for The Mandalorian, Sophie Skelton for Outlander, Rebecca Bisaki for Ghosts. Um, It's also important to know that uh, Paul Wesley, won the Sowell saturn award for strange new worlds and who is paul wesley again folks why he picked up his statue for best guest star in a television series for his work as james t william satner uh, he plays uh, well there you go right i, <laughs> I think a lot yeah a lot of,
1: yeah, a james lot of people are so like, high yeah. on uh, so, and, yeah. well you know
5: i mean it's it's the actor right It's paul yeah, wesley yeah, yeah. who initially folks were like not so so sure about you know, taking over the mantle. I mean, it's a thankless job having um, to follow, you know, an, a role as iconic as Kirk, right? I and mean, it really is. And, uh, but he's, he's gradually putting his own stamp on there. And, uh, so you got to feel pretty good if you're a relative newcomer like Paul Wesley, right? And you beat out freaking seasoned veteran and Hollywood royalty Amanda Plummer right, beat her out for her Picard performance, which was way more screen time, as well as Gail Garcia Bernal for uh, the Marvel show Werewolf by Night over on Disney+, Plus, Giancarlo Esposito for The Mandalorian. Boy, if you beat out Giancarlo Esposito, is that? I know. <laughs> that is not an easy thing to do. I mean, come on, that guy's just like, you know, ridiculous. He's so talented. He's just nuts. Um, also beating out Nick Offerman for The Last of Us, and that was an awards darling. Everybody loves that performance. If you've not seen it yet, I feel sorry for you. It's amazing. Andy Serkis for his great work in Andor, and Catherine Zeta-Jones for her work on Wednesday. So, wow, Paul Wesley, you kind of like came in as the dark horse and you walked away from it uh, to the envy of quite a roster of fellow Hollywood luminaries. So that's really something. uh, Bodes well for your future in the role. It sounds like uh, folks uh, are uh, embracing you and uh, getting over the initial shock of a different interpretation of Kirk. You might be able to get a lot of mileage out of that there. So let's see what happens with Kirk in this upcoming new season. The cast of Star Trek The Next Generation were presented with a special Lifetime Achievement Award at the Saturn Awards as well. It's presented to the Next Gen cast by producer and Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige, The award went to Sir Patrick Stewart, Brent Spiner, Marina Sirtis, Gates McFadden, Michael Dorn, and Will Wheaton, who were all at the event, as well as LeVar Burton and Jonathan Frakes, who had scheduling conflicts and were not able to attend, but I'm sure they were there in spirit. So uh, go check out um, some of the uh, photos from that event. A lot of them are on the uh, Trek Talk webpage. But just check out uh, Star Trek Saturn Awards. And it's really fun to see everyone together. And what's really great about it is uh, these are clearly people who remain super fond of each other. Uh, Like years later, they're hanging out like best friends from college, right? uh, It's really hard to fake that level of affection. It seems like these folks really still really enjoy hanging out and celebrating their continued success. So really, really cool. And well-deserved, too. Yeah, absolutely. That was an incredible season, and uh, not easy to pull off.
2: No, it was very, very well-deserved. And uh, David's got a story about Jonathan Frakes as well.
4: Yep, 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 yep. And let's see here. So, Jonathan Frakes is to direct crypto-pioneer Jeff Garzik's TV adaptation of Deathland novel series, Star Trek icon Jonathan Frakes is to direct a 10-part series based on novel and audiobook Deathland. The series comes from crypto pioneer Jeff Garzik launched last year and is set to begin shooting in Sofia, Bulgaria this spring, so 2024. Garzik described it as Mad Max, Fury Road meets Yellow Jackets in an epic post-apocalyptic sci-fi adventure. <clears throat> Mark A. Altman as the showrunner and executive producer, Thomas P. Vital, uh, Vital, uh, and Garzik are also executive producers, Christine Seeks is handling global casting efforts. One of the things that I find so compelling about Deathland is that it's a series about hope and the chance to build a better world. I'm excited about the opportunity to bring this show combining future levels, action and compelling character drama to the world. Deathland begins life as a series of novels from James Axler's first published in 1986 as a point project between Axler and Jack er- Adrian. Uh, <coughs> there are set excuse me, sorry, they are set in a post-apocalyptic world. A hundred years after a nuclear strain between U.S. and the Soviet Union, in which a mutated, crazed civilian, a civilization is beginning to reemerge. The story follows Ryan Caw- Cawdor and a band of survivors who travel the Deathlands using a teleportation technology they have uncovered. Hint, hint. Is that from Star Trek? Probably. The company is also planning to shoot Pack futuristic, terrestrial-based sci-fi series titled Look, uh, *Looking Glass*, <laughs> uh, which is based on an idea from Garzik, a graphic novel launched last year via Next Ciphers Words Plus Art Comic Books imprint. Hmm, that's kind Would of an interesting rep- take. Anybody read these books? No, <laughs> the I developers?
0: have not. I've, I've read a lot of stuff, but I have not read Jack Adrian's Deathlands. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should yeah. look into it. If Jonathan it. Uh,
2: Frakes is yeah. directing it, I'm sure that it's going to be. Good I
0: know out. the big problem is that it's kind of like one of these things where like there's a bunch of books, man. So if you're going to jump in, uh, I'm a little bit of a completionist, and there's like a ridiculous number of books, so. Uh, what's really
5: interesting is one of the guys in here Is,
0: is the showrunner
5: and executive producer Is Mark Altman yeah. Who's uh, a real big name in um, science fiction uh, journalism I mean, he wrote a ton of stuff And has hosted a lot of different podcasts And uh, he's hmm. all over the place You know, really ubiquitous guy But um, he's certainly uh, no stranger So I didn't know he'd gotten into the status Where he's running shows and uh, And, you know acting as a producer so kind of cool to see that but he's 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 kind of a you know when you read his stuff he's super picky dude right he's not shy at criticizing stuff so kind of bodes well to my way of thinking it's like if he's involved in producing a show he's probably going to try really hard to pick content that he really likes and that he thinks is smart and that he's probably going to try to make it of you know, good quality because he's certainly not shy about criticizing others <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Could be be worth keeping an
1: eye on
3: Yeah, I was looking on Taking a quick jump on Amazon Eric said there are a few books Few is an understatement Yeah (laughs) Uh, When I look at one Oh, the recent one released It's book 125 Yeah Wow. it's 126 of
0: 126 Yeah How many
4: pages are now? Are they really thick or are they like
0: thin? It doesn't matter if they're 100 pages each. That's still a lot of pages. <laughs> you know.
4: But the bigger the book, with yeah. that many books, the longer yeah, it's going to take no. to read. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> wow. That's, well, we'll have to
2: wait and see. I guess Maybe we can review it on the podcast since Jonathan Frakes is directing. Who knows?
4: Interesting. Uh, it didn't mention anybody who was going to be taking the uh, streaming portion of this. They didn't mention, like, if it's going to be uh, HBO or Paramount+. Plus. Yeah. They was, yeah.
0: Yet. Yeah. What, did they associate a studio here with it? I, uh, I don't
4: remember reading that, but
0: yeah. uh, if we can figure out what the studio idea. it was, we could probably figure out the streaming service. Yeah. Hmm.
4: But it's probably wow, not even
0: in production yet. So.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Charles, you you want to uh, continue on with our next story while we wait for Josh to get here?
3: All right. Catherine Hicks stood up to William Shatner's showboating on Star Trek 4, the voyage home. Star Trek 4, the voyage home saw the enterprise crew on a clunky old Klingon vessel traveling back in time from the nine, 1986 to rescue a pair of humpback whales from earth. Set mostly in present day San Francisco voyage is predicted predicated on the fish out of water humor and it chuckles, aside from seeing the otherwise stalwart, stalwart, starfully officers presented with a planet they don't understand. Kirk, uh, Kirk ends up developing some, something of an attraction from the outraged theologist, Dr. killer, Catherine. Kirk recalls filming Voyage... with Shatner and found his habits of hogging the spotlight to be utterly annoying (laughs) Hicks said she would ultimately have to go over Shatner's head and directly address the film's director about getting some actual close-ups into the movie Hicks took her issues to Nimoy the film's director she said I remember the fun, the kindness just kidding around, the joyfulness and the fighting for some close ups, the tug of war with Bill Shatner for close ups. It taught me to stand up for myself. I'd go to Leonard and say, This is my shot. i need to be single. I am not gonna share the shot with Shatner. He wanted to get in every shot, but you couldn't get mad at him because he was just like the devilish brother. <laughs> In addition to standing up to Shatner's ego, Hicks also learned to act in an ensemble of actors who were all simultaneously engaged in action scenes. When asked her impression of Nimoy's directing, Hicks recalls his direction to keep the scenes going despite little screw-ups. Nimoy was very kind and actor-friendly, but the one note he gave me that happened to be strict that taught me something was when you're doing a effect film, they go action and a lot of stuff's going on. You don't stop the take just just because you don't feel like you're doing it right, he said. Just keep going. Don't stop. Don't stop everybody. I remember that because it's a, a shellfish just to stop. It's never returned to the Star Trek, even though Dr. Taylor was mentioned a few times in Star Trek's vast ocean of the universe lore.
1: <clears throat>
3: in the novel, <clears throat> novel series *Department of Temporary Investigation*, she was a
1: key
3: <coughs> key player and was said to have had authoritative. Authored a book called *Whales Weep Not*, my *Whales Weep Not*, my three hundred year voyage with. George and Gracie. It seems that Dr. Taylor was happy with her time travel adventures.
0: <laughs> I wow. find that uh, advice fascinating there, the the whole like don't stop thing, and I, I would guess that from Nimoy's perspective as he's directing the film, the idea is that you don't know what footage can be used and what footage can't be used, so even if you feel like you're not, uh, you know, performing 100%, for Lord's sake, don't stop the train. Uh, I think yep. that you, you have to have a certain level of ego, perhaps, or at least stature to stop the train. Like, perhaps Mr. Shatner could stop the shot, but uh, if Mr. Nimoy was in charge, it sounds like his advice is, please. Just finish the scene, and if we need to redo it, we'll redo it. And maybe that extra second that we got from the crappy performance is going to make its way into the film.
2: And you know, I find it completely hard to believe that William Shatner would be hard to work with. Come on.
0: Well, I mean, the fact that he would grab the spotlight is completely ridiculous.
2: It is. It's completely ludicrous. I just, I can't. I mean, who would do that? He would boldly go, for sure. We love
0: you, Bill. We love you, Bill. We love you.
2: Well, I
5: can tell you that in the past when I've worked with uh, Bill, he's been uh, very much an ego. Well, this is George, of course. He's been something of an egomaniac, uh, really. He's uh, he's not very very willing to share his time on screen, especially with a beautiful woman like Catherine.
1: <laughs> oh my! <Fantastic. laughs> oh my! I love it. You know,
2: I got to tell you, I got to tell you a little story. Um, my wife and I went out to, Buffalo to meet Catherine Hicks at a Star Trek convention. I don't know how many she's done in her career, but this was the first time I that I saw her appearing at a convention. So, you know, we made the the eight hour trek to Buffalo to see her. And when when we got up on the table, I had her. Son. In fact. In fact, I believe Charles has an autograph poster from that that I brought back from that convention. I think I spent one to you, didn't I, Charles?
3: Yes, I believe you did.
2: Yeah. My wife and I got up to, and and this is back in the days when autographs were free. I know, be still your beating heart, but yes.
0: Yeah, <sighs> so you, weird. You so paid
2: weird. your twenty. dollars You mean there weren't
0: $100, to... $100 a pop, Jim? I, it's unbelievable.
2: Nope. I, nope. Impossible. You could go up to the table and They'd sign 90 items if you had them. I mean, they didn't – it was all free. And so we went up there, and, and Catherine Hicks was talking to my wife and I, and she says, don't you think that that ending was a bit of a cock tease? And we looked like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what she said. She says she kind of kisses Kirk and runs away, and she was like giant cock tease. And I was like, totally. wow. Okay. Yeah, totally. This is coming from the 7th heaven woman. <laughs>
5: huh.
2: I love it. She sounds
5: like a lot of fun. She oh was God. a riot.
2: She was absolutely a riot. Yeah. Catherine Hicks. I'd, I'd love to see her at a convention again. Uh, i go not, on the podcast. <laughs>
4: there we
2: go. Maybe I can, if I can track her down, I will make that happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, we're going we're gonna to swing back around. we still got a couple of other stories to talk about on uh, for our Star Trek news. Uh, but we do have uh, Joshua on the line, and we're going to be talking about Star Trek fan films. like What is a Star Trek fan? Film? Now,
1: that might seem
2: like a dumb question, but I get it a lot on the fan page. People want to put stuff up for film and they'll say, like, this is fake. This isn't real Star Trek. And where did this come from? And, and they... There's a lot of people out there that don't understand it. So we're going to talk with Joshua about what exactly is a fan film and what goes into making a fan film. Uh, you can give us a call right now at 646 668 And Joshua, Joshua is the writer, producer, and director of the Avalon Universe series of Star Trek films. I believe there's uh, seven, eight. There might even be more than that. But there's quite a few. And we have and with us right now on the line, uh, <laughs> excuse me, Joshua Michael Irwin. Welcome back to the show, Josh. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Not a problem at oh, all. Okay, good, to, good, I, I wanted to, to ask you first, you know, what exactly is a Star Trek film and why, why make know. a Star Trek fan film in the first place?
6: Well, you know, with a Star Trek fan film, it's, it's a labor of love. It's, it's kind of the it's – it's another personification of fan art. You know, a lot of people will uh, design a spaceship they like or they'll, you know, they'll paint a painting of uh, a Star Trek character they like. And a fan film is sort of the same thing. It's, it's a way that a Star Trek fan can have their own place in the Star Trek universe or tell their own story. And uh, what, what's interesting is, uh, actually, right now, uh, I'm in Kingsland, Georgia, at Neutral Zone Studios, and we just finished uh, Rap for the Day, filming a fan film called Dreadnought Dominion. Uh, it's not my fan film, it's uh, made by my friends Randy Wren and Gary Davis, and I came down here to help them shoot their film. And uh, I, I played like a Romulan Tal Shiar agent, and I was also the cameraman and all kinds of stuff, but... Uh, you know, it's just something that you do to get together with people who are like you, that love Star Trek the way you do. Um, you can write and tell stories, and, and, and in the case of a you know a place like Neutral Zone Studios, they have a full you know repli- replica of the you know original Star Trek sets, the way that they were laid out on the Desilu soundstage in 1966. Um, you know, you got sick bay, you got the corridor, you got the transporter room, you got the Jeffries tube, you got the bridge, you got engineering. And, you know, you you can go spend all day on a starship telling your own story, then you get into editing and you can put in all the sound effects and stuff and that's really fun experience to do. It's just it's just your way of, of having that slice of Star Trek for yourself and your friends. And uh is Ray down there working with you guys? Ray Testy. Um, he's not here today. I think he's going to be here later in uh, the weekend, um, but yeah, I am hoping to see, see Ray. And Ray and I are making a film here in a couple of months as well for uh, Tales from the Neutral Zone.
2: Now, how many how many Avalon Universe films are there so far? Well,
6: that's a that's, that's a fun funny story because originally I had only intended to make four of them, and uh, Making four films became telling four overall stories, and we've we've ended up over the past five and a half years releasing some, some somewhere in the area of 13 different band films, um, which is a lot, and, and would shock me if you told me that five years ago. But we're still telling the you know the four stories that we set out to tell, which is you know ghost ship, demons. Crisis on Infinite Excaliburs, and then the, the final chapter will be called The Once and Future Captain. And we've, we've made some smaller films that have kind of satellited off the big stories, but we're still part of it.
2: Now, for, for people that don't know, what exactly sets the Avalon universe apart from like the, the Star Trek Prime universe or Mirror universe or Star Trek that fans are more familiar with?
6: So, the, so the, the Avalon universe is, if you ever watch the TNG episode Parallels, you know, where Worf is, he's shifting into all these different quantum dimensions, you know, and there'd be all these little subtle differences every time he would, he would go into a new one when he'd shift into a new universe. The Avalon universe is kind of like that. It's, it, it's, it's its own unique quantum universe that is, it's not the prime timeline, it's not the Kelvin, it's maybe somewhere in between. And, uh, you know, we actually came up with an explanation for why it split off into its own thing. You know, if you watch the 2009 Star Trek film, you've got the event where Nero goes back in time, and that's what splits off the Kelvin universe. For us, we had these aliens that live outside of space-time, somewhat similar to the aliens on Deep Space Nine, but they live in a, these aliens live in a different uh, plane of existence, and they entered the physical universe, and, and by one of them accidentally entering the physical universe that split the Avalon universe off into its own, its own thing.
2: And one of the things that I really like about the Avalon universe is that you guys encompass everything that's in Star Trek, everything from the discovery to the Kelvin timeline to the prime timeline. um, It's all part of Star Trek. And if you watch it, when you're watching these fan films, you will see things from all these different Star Treks blended together into the Avalon universe, which I really like.
6: Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a thing where um, I didn't want to just do TOS. I wanted to do something very different. And and like you mentioned, part of the creative motivation of Avalon Universe has always been all Star Trek and one Star Trek, or that every every version of Star Trek is somehow represented in in some form or fashion in Avalon Universe. Uh, we're even talking about eventually having some like representation of Star Trek Picard um, and some other things like that in there uh, in, in various different places. But you know, you, you, you see like, you know, for example, costuming. You know, you'll see a character wearing a Star Trek Beyond tunic with a with a Discovery Metal Delta. And we actually redesigned those to where they're they have a little circular circular backing Kind of like a next generation badge, but we gave it a white background instead, like Star Trek the Motion Picture. So it's like you you find all these different ways to sort of merge different uh, uh, creative aspects of Star Trek. Lots of Easter eggs, lots of references to a star system, uh, a character, whatever that that make it. uh, You know, just just it's it's a it's you know if if you were gonna see this in you know real Star Trek made by Paramount. You might call this fan service. Well, we're fans, so we're giving ourselves fan service. We're just, you know, doing the, the neat things that uh, we've always wanted to do. One thing that I did today is I always thought that scene in Star Trek, the motion picture was funny where uh, there's a guy in an airlock and Spock nerve pinches him, and he's 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 dude's got a mustache, and he's, like, making this funny face while he's getting nerve pinched. We did an homage to that today. So it's like – uh in in our one of our latest uh releases, uh Crisis on Infinite Excaliburs, we did a we did a Asian crew member, you know, a a, a guy in a miniskirt, You know, like the the T N G episode where where no one has gone before and we we homaged that scene. The scant. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, uh, and I you like, know,
2: it's just I liked your starships. You had a um, you had a dreadnought that was a the Foley class after Captain that's right. Foley
6: yeah, you know, uh, Sam Cockings and I are very good friends, and I know Stuart, and uh, I consider him a friend as well, and that was a suggestion from Sam that, you know, hey, let's, let's have a version of the Foley class in Avalon Universe, and I always wanted to have a character that was the captain of a dreadnought, so I was like, oh, that's going to work out pretty good, so I, I made that my ship, my character ship.
2: Yeah, and, the, and and Samuel does an outstanding job on the effects.
6: By the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Sam is. You know, he he and I are so much alike in that we're just obsessed. And you'll see Sam working on so many different fan films. I mean, he's working on uh, Dreadnought Dominion. He's working on a little bit on Tales from the Neutral Zone. He's doing Avalon Universe. He's doing uh, Trek shorts. He's. I mean, you you just see him like everywhere. And it's because he's so talented, he's got a passion for Star Trek, and because he's uh, put so much effort and energy into doing Star Trek CG, he has, like, anything you could ask him for. You know, one day I just yeah. messaged him and I said, do you have Romulus? And he goes, yeah, I ha- not only do I have Romulus, I have the exact CG model of Romulus used in uh, Star Trek Nemesis. Here it is.
1: You know? It's very. And,
6: and it's, yeah, he's, he's great.
2: And uh, I think I'm going to, before I hog up all your time, I'm going to turn the mic over to Eric.
0: Okay. Hey, Joshua. Uh, thanks hey. for coming on the show again. Great to chat with you some more. Um, I'm always excited to talk about Avalon Universe stuff, and uh, Night yeah. of the Void was, you know, another installment. Uh, you were just talking about kind of your four main stories, and I was – I. Particularly excited about uh, Demon and, and Ghost Ship, which were both really, really good. Crisis mm-hmm. on Infinite Excaliburs—we never got a chance to talk about that at all, either. So, um, I just, uh, you know, wanted to give you a chance to just talk about that project a little bit. What was it like to to make that particular project? And um, you know, tell—I don't know—just some of your favorite moments, right. I guess, from making that. You know.
6: This, was a, this here was a process that I've never done before and will probably never do again with regards to Knights of the Void and Crisis on Infinite Excaliburs and then our final film, which is going to be called The Once and Future Captain. Um, you know, one of, our, one of our actors, Tori Archer, she's been with us from the beginning. And, you know, when, when we first started shooting with her, she was like 19 years old. She was just a, a young adult starting the adventure. Now she's a mom, she's a uh-huh. business owner, she's, you know, a wife. And, and that was one of the reasons that we always kind of gave Avalon Universe sort of an end, which is that this is not going to go on for forever. We're going to have an end to this story because you can't take up people's lives for forever, you know, yeah. and, and, and eventually people are going to need to move on. And and she was kind of the first person that we were looking at going, you know, she can't, she's not really going to be able to do this much longer. And I had a talk with her, and I said – you know, what if we just shot you out for the whole thing? Like, mm-hmm. what what if we brought you in for a few days and just shot every scene you have left for every film? And she really liked that idea. And then I, I thought, why don't I just do that, period? Why don't oh. I just finish it? Why don't I just shoot all of it? Why don't I just start shooting and just not stop until I finish Avalon Universe completely? Okay. And, and so... Um, that's what we did. We started in late 2022 and ended, you know, about 6 months later where we shot everything. And we were having these crazy shooting weekends where on a Friday after a Friday afternoon or evening we'd be shooting nights of the void, on a Saturday we'd be shooting crisis on infinite excaliburs,
4: and then on a wow. Sunday
6: we'd be shooting scenes from once in future Captain. And it would keep going like that. So we were making three films at the same time. Um, and, and how we would kind of go about that is, is we go, okay, this is the weekend we have Tori Archer. So we're going to shoot all of her scenes for these three movies, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This is the weekend that we have Warren Hawke. So we're going to shoot all of his scenes Friday, okay. Saturday, Sunday. And, and so like we would divide it out. Like Saturday would be a crisis on infinite Excalibur's day. Sunday would be once in future captain day. So and we we took it took about six months and we shot all three of these films. It was the craziest thing I've ever done. I don't know Ah. if it was really a good idea, but it's worked (laughs) out so far.
0: (laughs) That's cool. I had no idea they were all shot at the same time. That's that, that must have been chaos.
6: Um, you know, it it wasn't. Um it could have been. Uh and I just I was really um I was really, really Um, tied up in pre-production, you know what I mean? Like, I I, I spent a lot of time mapping out the shoots and what was going to be shot when and where and what the schedule would be for each day, and we made it work. Um, Now, with with Crisis, you know, you have a situation where Alexandra Rexford is playing seven different versions of the same character because we're seeing all these different universes. And she wanted to do, like, different hairdos. She wanted to do different makeup. She wanted to give each version a different personality. Well, she was doing her own makeup. It was like we would have to meticulously schedule, okay, she's going to do Mirror Universe in this shot. Then, then we're going to do Prime Universe. Then we're going to do Avalon Universe. Then we're going to do Babylon 5. Then we're going to do Stargate. And,
1: uh-huh. and,
6: and she would have to change her makeup. We can't just have her going out there changing her makeup constantly. There has to be Method to the Madness. So we would have to lay out how these shots would go. And go okay. We're going to take close ups of this character. Then we're going to do this wide shot. Then we're going to do close ups of this version of the character. It was crazy. And and I I have to confess, when we were filming it, I didn't know if it was going to work or not. Like I didn't know. I was guessing because I've never done anything like that before. You know, where you have three, four different person versions of the same person on screen at once. I didn't know if it's going to work. And uh, thankfully, I, I think it did. Fingers crossed. People people don't look at it and go, boy, it's really weird, but. <laughs> um i was it was just like I was doing all these crazy things that I never thought I would do, and it's probably not the best way to make a film, but you know we made it work, and everybody had a blast um, all the actors had a great time, and that's really the most important part of it is that you know you have fun with people that you want to spend your time with i mean that i would I've always said that I'd rather make kind of a crappy movie. And have fun making it, than make a great movie and, and have a terrible time making it. And I've done, I think, both. Um, so, you know, uh, it was it was a it was a crazy experience. I'm I'm glad that it worked out as well as it has so far. You know, Nights of the Void seems really well received. It has almost eighty thousand views on YouTube. And uh, Crisis has been out for about a month, and it has almost fifty five. So I think I think people by and large
0: like these films yeah i mean i definitely think by and large our podcast likes these films which is pretty Good. exciting too because uh, we we definitely appreciate all the time and effort that it takes as you said to do these labors of love where do you yeah, sure. where do you find your your actors like i imagine some of them are maybe friends of yours or something and of course, one of them, uh, you know, has an adjacent kind of connection to our podcast, Leslie Sawyer, Lieutenant Sarah Jones. We, Jim calls his uh, meat and potatoes. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: so, yeah, tell us where you find these actors and how they get involved in your filming process.
6: Right. Uh, Leslie is another one of those actors who's, who's been with us from the beginning. Um, you know, she was with us on Ghost Ship, and we met her through Ray Testy and through Neutral Zone Studios. And she was there on our first, very first shooting days. And what I thought was really poetic about her is that when we wrapped principal for top photography on the Once and Future Captain, she had the final line. And so she, her character got to say the last thing, and it was a very poetic thing that she said. And it was just really neat to go, okay, that was the last word. Um, so I was I was so happy with her because she stuck with us again from the beginning. She's very kind, really easy to get along with, delightful person. She goes out of her way. She works hard. I, I've never had a bad experience around her. She's just always in a good mood and she's there for everyone else. Leslie is just like she is the purest form of a of a fan film actor. Um, yeah, I- as far as some of our our other actors, some of them you know we we hold auditions you know for the latest round of actors we we held auditions because you know i i do have some people involved that are friends uh sometimes that can be maybe misused and so for the for the for this round you know i did a lot of just putting out casting calls and holding auditions and casting the people that i thought really wanted the parts and worked really hard alexander rexford in particular she, when she showed up, she wanted the part. She, she had watched Avalon. She had done her research. She knew our lines. Uh, and She had a stellar audition alongside Jessica Plyler. And so it was like it was a no-brainer that she would be Michaela Allenby. And, and Jessica wanted to be Sherv. Sure. She was like, oh, I want to be the, the blue alien. That's, that's, that's the part I want. And so, but they all like, have found a way to steal the show in their own way. Uh, Warren Hawk, we got him from working on Interlude. And then Jason Spriggs, much like Leslie, he was there since day one of Ghost Ship, and he's just been a friend in that he's showed up and he's made the effort to be a part of Avalon Universe as much as possible. He and Tyler are really close, and so it was it was really nice to to have him on
0: set again. Awesome. Well, it was great to see him again. I mean, Tyler Donovan seems like the kind of guy that I might like to go and just like get a beer with. I don't know. He seems really cool. <laughs>
6: yeah, you know, Tyler, Tyler and I have been best friends since 1991. Mm, wow. Yeah, you know, we met we met in 5th grade. And um, you know, we he he and I met in a Star Trek fan club when we were, you know, I was 11, he was 12. And we've talked about making you know Star Trek fan films since that time, and so here we are thirty plus years later doing it and it. it's it's he's with me now I mean where he came with me to Kingsland, and we drove we drove sixteen hours to get here yesterday, and we had a flat tire, you know ninety miles out. one of our other actors had to like bring a trailer and to a trailer and drive us to Kingsland you know so it's like the things you do for a fan film it's like some people think you're crazy, like, you know, like, why are you, I've put $60,000 of my own money into Avalon Universe, and nobody else in my family can understand it, but for me, it's like it's living the dream of Star Trek, you know?
0: Well, I, I hope that one day we will get to see a memoir of the Avalon universe. I think that would be amazing. Like, I uh, hope you're recording your experiences along the way. I guess I'll just ask one final question before I pass it along to our other track experts. Of course, yeah. uh, you, like many people, show up in your own fan films, and so, yeah. <laughs> and so I want to ask you, like, how do you decide? how to cast yourself. I mean, I know there's kind of a running thing here. So so tell us about your character and like how you decided to put yourself in your own films.
6: Well, I think that if you're going to cast yourself in your own film, you have to be realistic. You know, like you, there, there's, there are so many people that want to cast themselves as the hero character, and I knew that I wasn't the hero character. Um, I knew that that was better suited to someone like Tyler or Alex or, you know, other actors to play the hero characters. For me, it was like, I'm a little older, you know, maybe I could be an admiral or something. And I, I, I'm kind of boring, so I gave myself a boring character.
1: <laughs> Honestly, it
6: was <laughs> it, a little bit about, it was a couple of things. It's, you know, one, um, I think that if you, you act in a film and you direct a film, acting gives you some perspective. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it helps sure. you. If if you act in some small role, it gives you a little perspective to understand what actors go through so you yeah. can relate to them better. If you have to have the same challenges, I acted today. I, I forgot that I was going to be in, in the film today. Uh, I thought I was just going to shoot it, but, but, you know, uh, I acted today and, and it was an interesting and unique experience. And then. You know, yeah. I mean, if I'm going to make a Star Trek movie, I would be on Star Trek, you know. so
1: (laughs) It's really that simple. So I
6: I created this character that um, he's, he's, you know, an admiral. And it's like, you know, I kind of boss, you know, these guys around, these actors. So I'll boss them around on screen too, a little uh, joking. I'm not, you know, I'm not mean to them or anything. But um, I, I named the character after my youngest son. So he's Admiral Austin, and uh, yeah, same, but with the hero character of Michaela Allenby, uh, that's that's a character named after my fourteen-year-old daughter. Oh, cool. So, so you know, slipping a little homage to my kids, and there are some messages in my films for my kids. You know, you can be and do anything in life, and you know, don't let anyone stop you
0: that's great uh yeah i think uh that comes through for anybody who's watching it not just your kids so i appreciate that you put that in there for them i'll just say that uh my favorite line from this particular film right now was uh something like uh can we fire a beam from the main deflector dish and she's like not without blowing out every single relay and he's like rig it up rig it up (laughs) (laughs) all right rig it up rig it up is my new saying yeah (laughs) 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 yeah he didn't
6: care he's like okay well it's that or die so rig it up
0: Uh, love it all right thanks josh uh joshua for talking to us really appreciate it yeah i'm gonna pass this on to paul paul
6: hey joshua paul here man how you doing hi paul i'm doing great thanks for having me on your show
5: Oh gosh, absolutely, man. So I gotta, I gotta fess up, man. I had never heard of Avalon Universe until like this week, and I felt bad. I'm like, it just goes to show you how much fan content there can be. That sometimes you can be completely oblivious, yeah, to stuff. And I'm go on, and I'm like, good lord, there's like a dozen or more of these films that these guys made. It's just jaw dropping, man. So what commitment? It's great. Oh gosh, but.
6: You know, y you know, I can't blame you. I mean, it's like it's a relatively small YouTube channel, all things considered. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, you're, you you get fifty thousand views on a fan film, and you think, man, that's really good. But then if you pull up like a video on YouTube of like a a, a puppy licking a baby's face, it's like thirty million views. <laughs> you're like a cat on a treadmill, like ten million views. Gives you a little bit yeah, of perspective. No. Well, <laughs> it's
5: nuts. it's crazy. Kids.
6: But it's just you know I'm like I'm you know and I'm
5: everyone runs on their preconceptions right and I'm like okay yeah. I've never heard of this and I'm like girding my loins right I'm like okay mm-hmm. and I'm in it like maybe 5 seconds in right or you know pretty quick within the first like you know 20 seconds of the picture right I'm like the production values here are fantastic I mean it's just a, it's super crisp looking the effects are awesome Everybody is just you know, very clearly committed to their performances and trying to you yeah. know do a great job. It's just like this feels, you know, the only thing I've really uh as far as something to equate it with, right, that I've seen, uh as far as like, you know, I guess it would be considered a fan film, I don't know, is the whole Star Trek continues thing, right? I'm I'm familiar yeah. with that. I've seen a couple of those. Right, which I guess it's pretty successful, but you know, to me, this
1: you
6: know, kind of thought your production values might have been better. <laughs> you
1: know? I well, mean they
6: really look sharp. I really appreciate that. You know, Vic Maniana and I are friends, and um, and of course, it's the same set as Star Trek continues, especially in, it in, is. Okay. in the okay, okay. Yeah, it's the same set, uh, and uh, you know, I it, it, it's funny for like uh, there's there's a there's a film on our channel called the lost starship, which was directed by Vic. And when we were doing the, when we were doing the lost starship, he knew the set really well. And so he was like, there's a camera port hidden here and and you can take (laughs) this wall out. And I was learning all of his little tricks of where you could, you could do things with the set. And, and like, you can, you know, this is how you can use this to clamp lights here and, And so it was like I was learning. It wasn't just like show up and put the camera here. I was learning how the sets were actually built to be used as a film studio. And that was really helpful. He's like an
5: inside man, man. That's great.
6: And, And one of the things, like, for example, that you hadn't really been able to see in a fan film was that, you know, that signature shot of Spock where he's at the Spock scanner and it's like on the other side looking up at him. You know, like you you haven't seen that a lot in fan films. Well, Vic showed me where the port was on their set where you could get that exact shot, and I was like, "Oh man, okay, now I know." And so, like in that's in great, crisis, man. I was able to use that. So, um, yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, I mean, I I'm a film school graduate. So everyone's very collaborative.
5: It's like you know, we're willing to help each other out. That's really cool. I yeah, think that's for sure. Just amazing. But you know,
6: you know,
5: um, you're, you got a ton of like digital graphics right with like the various view screens and things yeah like when you're seeing like the 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 warbird and and everything it's just like they're just really detailed and uh, and and just look really sharp i mean and, well and, yeah i appreciate and that and they're not and and, they're, and there's just a ton of them i mean i know how difficult like effect stuff is to pull off and and digital things like that and it's just jam-packed with stuff it's not like one or two throwaway shots i mean there's a ton and you're willing to have the warp core explode
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like I all
5: think, this big stuff.
6: Very ambitious, man. Very, very ambitious and really well executed. I think that almost every shot in that movie, like both both if you look at Crisis and Night, something like 70, 70% of the shots in those films are all somehow like a, like a VFX composite. So wow. like for example – you know, uh, like the engineering scenes in, in Nights of the Void, there's, there was no engineering set with that because that actress could not travel with us to Georgia. So because she's a mom and she's got kids and she can't leave for that long. And she's got, she got young kids, very young kids. And so what we did was we shot her on a green screen and created the uh, engineering set kind of a, in a digital way created those screens and, and I did those L cars, all of those L cars and animations. I did those
5: and they took, this is the, the Jamie character.
6: Of, is that the one? Yes. Correct.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, got it. Yeah. Yeah.
6: So she wasn't really yeah. in that set? No, that, that was no, not a set. Didn't. That didn't exist. That was just a green screen. God,
5: that's great. I had no clue. I mean, it was it totally, I just, uh, I never would have guessed. I mean, really looks yeah, really, really sharp.
6: And it wasn't even like something that we created in like, you know, it wasn't made in like Blender or, uh, you know, Lightwave or something that's like a 3D composing program. It was literally just like I took the Elb cars and put them at an angle to make them look like they're on a screen and did some effects to make them glow and blurred them a little bit. And then uh, we worked in some, some different layers of like background actors where we would shoot background actors walking back and forth or people looking away, and we'd, we'd put some lighting effects on them to make lo- make it look like a screen flicker, layer in some smoke. And then it, if you notice, the, the, the camera work looks handheld. It wasn't. It was all on a tripod. All of the wow. handheld motion was, was post.
5: Yeah. I mean, it's just it's really seamless. Like, at one point, I think it's like the scene where the captain first goes in to, like, auxiliary control... I think it's auxiliary control. I, I might be yeah. but like, it looks like like sparks are, are flying off of the console yeah. there. I mean I'm guessing those are digital, right? I mean they yeah.
6: must be. Yeah, absolutely. But but and, they look and... great.
5: I mean they look fantastic. It looks like, you know, very uh authentic and you just go really all in with the old school original sound effects, man. I'm just <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, love is road. It, is
6: it you know, those are two of my favorite aspects of it. I mean yeah you know it, it's like the story's the most important part of making a film if you're you know you, you're telling us you're telling a story, but for me it's like when i started first started making fan films, it was like, Oh, I get to learn how to do a transporter beam I learned how to, I get to learn how to do a phaser beam now and and I just went down that rabbit hole so far of like, okay, now we can do sparks, we can do explosions, we can do floating holograms you know and and there are places online where you could go and download Star Trek sound effects and there's an amazing library of of them available. And it's like doing the, doing the sound design in particular is like I think my favorite part of it where it's like, okay, I'm going to use this sound effect and then, you know, layering it and, you know, Making it kind of three-dimensional, some sounds coming from this direction or that, and mixing it, and you know, I could, I, I have to make myself stop. You know, I, I get to a point with these, <laughs> these films where I'm never done with them. I just say, okay, I'm going to stop working on this, or I'm never going to finish it. And my yeah. wife has to be yeah. like, put, put the paintbrush down and quit working on it. <laughs> uh, it's
5: like, yeah. Well, what are they, what's the old saying, right? Like with paintings, right. Uh, they're never finished. They're just abandoned. Only point, abandoned, right? yeah. So and, it's and the and same the thing, but it's the... just the, the same thing. It's just, but the sound effects and it is like what I really want to compliment is you don't overdo it, right? It's like the volume's yeah. really like in tune. It's just it's a natural part of creating the environment and the mood, but it's not screaming at you, right? It's just really definitely integrated and uh, I gotta ask is you know you said that uh, you're wrapping things up after this last Uh episode right not doing any more of these I am really curious to hear what you are up to beyond this because you got a lot of talent man I'm guessing you must have a lot of aspirations in the business or maybe you're working in the
1: business I don't even know
5: but it's just it seems to me like fan films have got to be like a launch pad to yeah. big stuff for you right i mean it's got to be you got a lot you way, way too much talent to be you know to i well, mean not getting you. paid paid well
1: <laughs> so what's I, up what are you I think uh
6: you know i i am working on some some real movie stuff you know um i've got a, a film that i made i worked on for a friend of mine uh eric parkinson that's called wildfire the legend of the cherokee ghost horse uh, and that's coming out in some theaters. It's getting a limited theater release, which is n- nice.
1: Nice. And
6: I and nice. I shot that film. And then uh, we're working on a, another one now called uh, The Last Days of Bell Star, which is a, another. It's like a western. Um, and so it's 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 fun that like you you know the hobby is in the future. But then when I go make money to work on a, a movie, it's it's the past. You know, it's it, it's a different period piece. Um, and I enjoy that a lot. Um, by day I just make, you know, local TV commercials for, uh, construction companies and car dealerships and restaurants and all that kind of stuff. Uh, really kind of a boring kind of thing, but it's a creative challenge and I appreciate that. Um, for me it's well, just, uh, you know, I would I just say brother just on stick with dancing. it. Don't quit.
5: Yeah. Don't oh, quit. I mean, I, I, I think you got a big, I think you got a career coming. I mean, that, uh,
6: I think you know, I'll probably just uh, die instead of retire. I'll be like Clint, Clint Eastwood, <laughs> hopefully. May not be as successful uh, uh, as him, but I'll be like 95 But it really years comes old.
5: across. It really comes across when people are enjoying what they're doing. I mean, it's so intangible. Oh, yeah. It's hard to to uh, to to measure it. But it's like you can tell that this is something that everybody cared about. That they put extra, you know, TLC into it. Uh, this great rapport with folks. It, it feels very much a labor of love, and. Uh, and just the quality is just super high. So I, I just think it was great. And, uh, I'm excited to, uh, to check out more of these now that I've stumbled across it. I'm like, Oh, there's
1: more. Oh, right.
5: So really just, I well, don't want to well, take it like- more time because we got a whole panel, man, but I just loved it. And it super, uh, it's just great. I'm a big, you know, uh, original series guy, right? So for me to yeah. see this and the references it makes, it was just a, a super, super treat. So, uh, just want to wish you the absolute best, man, and well, keep cracking. Yeah.
6: And, and what I'll say is, you know, it's, it's really nice that, that, you know, things like the sound design and the, and the VFX resonated with you, and I appreciate that and the kind words of, about my efforts. But really, it's, it's, it's such a team effort because nobody can make a film in a vacuum. And, yeah, there were so many wonderful people that put a lot of work into all of these. You know, we've got, we've got makeup people that, that show up and drive, you know, three or four hours sometimes to show up on set. We've got really dedicated actors, you know, the, the actress that played Jamie, you know, she really didn't have time in her life to do this. And, and yet she was still there. And what was fun was, uh, you know, on day two, she came back from, from lunch and she said, you know, I thought I didn't have time to do this because you know, my kids and my life now, but it's like, now that I'm here, I needed this, Uh you know, this made me so happy. And, and so it's like, yeah, yeah, Tyler, you know, Tyler helps me, uh, behind the scenes. He helps co-direct at times and he helps the actors with rehearsals. Uh, my friend Neil, Neil Bilby helps me with lighting and helps me behind the camera. Um, you know, of course we talked about Sam cocking. So it's like, and then and then the guys who own the studios, you know Ray Tessy, uh, Dan Reynolds, Glenn Wolf, you know there's a, a Glenn Wolf is a, a one man art department where he's always got costumes and props ready to go. So it's like um, you, you you can't do this kind of thing by yourself. And and so yeah, there's there are a lot of people that did a, a lot of things to make it happen. And so much so that it would take forever to talk about all of them. But you know um, it is definitely a team effort.
0: I want to interject no, a question really about here. Like like or... a... Oh, sorry. Can I oh, interject a man. question go, go. about here? you can really can...
6: feel that love. That's great.
0: Just like real quick about the the Klingon forehead. So you were just talking about makeup. Like, was that ready to go, or was that designed for the show, or what? Um,
6: okay, so yeah, some of those appliances you can actually, you know, there are appliances that you can purchase, like just you know, different. Uh, places online where, you know, you can just almost Google it and find it. You can go to eBay, you can go to, you know, various different places. And so I think I think what we did was – now, Glenn Wolf, he keeps a huge stock of those. And, and like I was saying, he's a one-man costuming and art department, but he has, like, a Borg costume. He's got, like, Klingon outfits, He's and he had a selection of, like, Vulcan ears, and he had several Klingon foreheads. And so we brought out a makeup person. We chose one of those, and, and she put it on and and blended that makeup. That guy, he was the guy who played uh, uh, Kuala, who was kind of the, the Klingon ally in, in Knights of the Void. We were going to have – his character is Tyler's character's brother. So we were originally going to have Tyler's brother play the part, but he couldn't make it. And so we just ended up talking to a guy like two days before – and that dude was so excited, Jason Durkee, he came out and he did his part. He was like the first thing we did. And then he just wanted to hang out with us the rest of the day and watch us shoot other stuff. But, yeah, that, that was a makeup process that took about an hour. Um, for the once and future captain uh, that's going to be out later this year, um, my friend Sean Patrick Kennedy uh, has a, a close friend who is an Oscar-winning uh, makeup artist. And he called that guy on a phone and said, hey, you want to come do my makeup for my Klingon villain? And that guy was like, sure. And so we had this guy who'd won an Oscar for makeup show up at Neutral Zone Studios, and he started doing Klingons and Romulans for us last year. And so it was like,
1: man, this is
6: so cool. And, and, and in that case, they did make, for Sean, Sean Kennedy, they did make a specific appliance. And that's the, the bad guy they're talking about, Commander Kamak, you know, where we show just a few shots of him, but you'll see him more in the film later this year.
5: Now, he's the guy who sort of has kind of a an old-school core look, right? He's got, like, the gold.
1: Exactly.
5: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember it was being intrigued by him, so it's cool that we'll see him again, though. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's just super fun. And uh, it, it's great for you to come on and, and uh, share more about this with us and, uh, and i hope uh sometime in 24 when the next one comes out man i hope you come back and uh and, and chat more with oh, us yeah. cuz this has been super fun and uh well, i'll be watching it's a privilege <laughs> it's to be here
6: yeah it's, it's a privilege well, it's to great, be man. here and and you know um yeah we, you know i can't give you like a solid release date on the once in future captain because um we want it we want it to be a very good film we did some pickup shots for it today And uh, so it's going to be one of those. We're going to work really hard on it, and it's going to be done when it's done. Fingers crossed, it'll be somewhere around Halloween. Love for it to be Halloween, but not going to commit to it. Do our best.
5: Well, brother, I got other trexperts just pressing up against the chain link fence here, trying to get to you. So I'm going to, I'm going to thank you again for being such a great guest, and uh, I'm going to pass you over to a trexpert who has a disturbing amount of. Star Trek knowledge, <laughs> historical <laughs> lore, so I don't know what Charles will say, but he's going to have <laughs> a lot to draw from. Take it away, Charles.
3: Well, great to have you back.
5: Thanks, uh,
3: enjoy nights of <clears throat> Enjoy Night's the Void. I thought your little cliffhanger there was kind of fun, where they thought they were yeah. going to get captured, and it didn't get captured. It's like, oh, I like what you do with that one. Uh, the one I really want to get into is – what was your choice of doing so many different sci-fi genres in there?
6: Oh, in Crisis on Infinite Excalibur? Yes. Uh, you know, that was, that was a deal that I wanted to do from the beginning. Um, and so that goes back to the genesis of, of Avalon Universe is, you know, that episode Parallels. And it's like, you know, if if that's what you're drawing inspiration from, wouldn't it be cool to do our own parallels? Yeah. And and it's like, well, why stop at Star Trek? Why not um you know, why not do Babylon five and Stargate and whatever Galaxy Quest and whatever else? Yeah. Because, man, didn't you always dream of that as a kid, you know, like Captain Kirk teams up with Transformers or something?
3: Yeah. Um
6: and so it's just it's like, like me being a being a nerd.
3: Well, I'm looking out there at the screen, and all of a sudden they mention, like, okay, here comes a Battlestar coming out. And
4: I lost track <laughs> yeah. of
3: some of the ships. And then I always laugh. It's like, oh, it's part of the time, space, continuum. It's like, okay, there's our Doctor Who reference. Yeah. It's like
6: – Yeah. Cause Doctor Eric Who, and I are the and
3: <laughs> I yeah. I'm say Eric and I are the uh Whovians here, so we're always looking forward to stuff like that popping up.
6: And I I'm was surprised glad I'm glad this. there was kind of something for everyone, you know?
3: And I was surprised on Crisis being a f it was a good episode. I was surprised as long as it as as long as it was. I'm so used yeah. to your short episodes and this one. Oh, 40 minutes. Like, okay, this one's not a short episode, but it had so much packed
6: in it. You know, it, with crisis it was kind of a thing where huh, how do how do I how do I say it? It's like a lot of times when you're putting putting a film together, you'll cut a lot of things. So you'll shoot more than you use. And and you go, you know, this this thing over here sounded like a good idea, but you know, um it's just you know kind of holding the film up, so maybe we should cut it. And but with crisis, it was like that wasn't that was the opposite kind of thing. It's like well, that's not the point. The point is just to like do whatever you know, like anything goes. Like this time, we're just having fun. So there's all these things that you normally would have cut that you just kept in, and so yeah. that's part of the reason it's so long because like <clears throat> you know you, you might look at that and go. Maybe a movie shouldn't have three beginnings. Yeah. But why not? <laughs> <Maybe>.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so <that> but, it, <laughs> but
3: it just made it more interesting. It got yeah, more thank interesting as yeah. we had different. Had we had three different openings, like, oh wait a minute, what's this? This is Star Trek. This looks more like something else. Like, okay, no, but then we got this opening and this opening. Oh, okay, now I think I'm starting to understand a little bit about what's going on.
6: And, yeah, you know, Sam Sam Cockings came to me, like, not even a long, uh, you know, like, only a few months before we released this, and he goes, what if, we, what if we did a cold open that was Stargate? What if it wasn't even Star Trek? What if it just opened up in a completely different universe if it opened up at Stargate? And I was like, let's do that. And yeah, that, that wasn't that, even in the script. It wasn't even in the script. We just
1: did it
3: that was a great opening because it threw me off to knowing what was I, what was I expecting and what was coming up.
1: Yeah. Cool,
3: and man. then the I looks, and then the looks you had from that one actress trying to look at herself.
6: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt for her because she was dude, she was a warrior. I mean, you got to yeah. understand that this was these, these studios are not climate controlled by the way. It you know, whatever the, if it's, if it's 80 degrees outside, it's 90 degrees in the studio. Yeah. Well, we don't, we don't do that. We don't shoot in the summer. We, we, we you have to shoot in the winter because you can deal with the cold a lot better than you can deal with, you know, the heat, uh, you know, people sweat and stuff. So we shot crisis in the winter. We started in October of 22. And it was like, all right, it's like 60 degrees, you know? And then we got into de- December, and we're shooting weekends in December, and it's 25 degrees in the studio. And, uh, and that was hard. You know, that transporter scene where they where they beam on to the uh, Avalon Universe Excalibur for the first time, it's 25 degrees when we shot that thing. And oh. then when we finished it at neutral zone in March, I was going into the bathroom and throwing up from heat exhaustion. So oh. she was like... What you've got to understand about her changing all of her looks is she's sitting out there in this unclimate-controlled studio in the, in the cold weather doing her makeup, and it's not climate-controlled, and she's just like freezing, doing and redoing and redoing her looks. But she wanted to do that. She wanted every character to look different, have a different hairstyle, have different makeup, like it was really important to her. And it wasn't like we put her out, and she, did, she was just like, no, this is what I'm doing.
3: Yeah, you know, for a little while so, I didn't uh, realize it was the same actress. Then I started looking like, wait a minute, that looks like the exact same person across yeah. all those scenes.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: And she looks yep. so so genuine as being a different person in, e- in each of those scenes.
6: She's an immensely gifted actress. And well, I, the first day we ever, worked, we ever worked with her, she had a long monologue, and she nailed it in the first t- take. I mean – you know, she like I said earlier, she wanted the part, and, and she really came through for us.
3: Well, it's not only the actress, but it takes a good direction and a good script to put it together and good filming. Well, and I, so, I,
6: I got to credit Tyler Donovan, too, on that because he worked with her very closely. And there were times where she struggled a little bit, not the how-to, not with the talent, but she was a little um, nervous. About, can right. I, can I do this? Kind of like me. Like I didn't, like I said, I didn't know it's was going to work. And I just kind of, I was nervous. I just didn't show it. <laughs> you know, I was just like, okay, let's go, let's go shoot this. She was nervous too. She was nervous. Uh, there, there's a scene where the mirror universe version of the character has kind of a confrontation with the Avalon universe version of the character. And, it, yeah. and it's a really heavy scene. And she was nervous about doing it. You would never know that from watching it, but she was nervous at first, and Tyler kind of just, no, you can do this. And he worked with her and and, and kind of got her to where she needed to be, and then she delivered, man. She, she found the performance.
3: Well, you guys did a fabulous job with it. But thank before you. we run out of time, I'm going to pass it over to David.
4: Okay. Hey, hi there. Uh,
6: welcome. Hey, David, thank you for uh, talking to me.
4: Yeah, um, so I just I just wanted to say a few things. Um, I really did enjoy uh, the Crisis uh, episode, and I actually nice. like um, Paul here had never heard of you before, and I'm like, whoa, this is yeah, actually cool. a really good fan film. I actually uh, enjoyed every bit of it, and yeah, like what Paul uh, not Paul uh, sorry Charles said, it threw him off just like what was I watching at first, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I I was like I clicked on Star Trek and then I saw Stargate and I was like, huh. <laughs> so very cool. I, I really enjoyed from beginning to end. It was I laughed at a few of the scenes and uh yeah, you can uh, now count me as one year subscriber, so well done. Well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. Hey, man, you
6: know, and and you've got all these films that you can go back now and watch, and they'll kind of help you get to know the characters and the backstory better.
4: Yeah, and listening to what you've been saying about, like, the studio not having any climate control, that's got to be really rough. And uh, (laughs) having all this uh, uh, conflict of scheduling, you know, the the, the idea that people weren't going through, and it was just like, wow. I mean, did it actually take you, like, a year or two to complete the film or well you know
6: crisis was a film that like i said i've wanted to make since the beginning so i had the idea for it five years ago uh, oh. in excess of five years ago and nice. um <clears throat> you know it you know if you want to you know soup to nuts say okay we we started filming it in you know october of 2022 and then released it in december of 2023 so from from the standpoint of filming it and releasing it, yeah, it, it it took about a year total, you know, a little over a year. Um, but the script was written in 2020, you know, huh. and um, you know I'd had the idea for a long time. And the the thing is, is that, um, like for example, the character of Chapren, who's who's the Vulcan nurse, the okay. uh, the actress that, the actress that plays that character uh, is a uh owns a karate school, a mixed martial arts school huh. and she was a cage fighter she was a real life cage fighter wow and and she talks about like to be good at something like that takes like this crazy level of devotion and um you know the the deal there is. That you you have to be devoted to a point that people literally think you're insane, you know. Because <laughs> she was doing stuff like meal meal prepping at Thanksgiving, to be ready to go like do a fight. And so, that's kind of what a fan film is like. You have to be so dedicated to making it happen that that maybe your friends and family think you're a little crazy.
1: <laughs>
6: and the thing about Avalon Universe is there were probably three or four times over the past five years that it could have just come to a, you know, a horrible end. You know, I could have just said, this is too much, this is too hard and just let it go. Hmm. And I made the decision that I wasn't going to do that. And, and I overcame, you know, worked to overcome the obstacles that, that, that could have shut it down for good. And here we are five years later, you know, we're going to have a thing here in, Another six to eight months where we can say, we made something. We made a whole story. We told a story beginning to end with, with characters, and we finished it. We set out to do something, and we did it. And to me, that's more important than anything else. You know, you, you could have let it die. You could have let your dreams die, but you didn't. You fought for it. And that's, it's important because it's something we can all do, whatever that is. Whatever our dreams are, we can fight for them. And you know, I'm glad. I'm glad that we made this work.
4: Yeah. Wow. Sounds like a lot of dedication. I I uh, appreciate your work because it was really well done. The graphics, the story. I especially appreciated the story because, like my, like everybody else as a young kid, like you said, you know, have we ever dreamed of Captain Kirk going out with the Transformers? Well, you know what about Star Wars? What about Stargate? You know, and other yeah. games uh, that uh, that I've noticed that were in there, like Halo. It yeah. seemed like Halo was there, Mass Effect. <laughs> so, A lot of
6: that was Sam Cockings, you know. He came to me and he was like, hey, what if we had this? What if we had that? And I was like, man, just indulge yourself, you know, whatever you want to throw in there. Throw the kitchen sink at the, at the um, you know, at the CG.
1: <laughs> and,
6: um, so you know it was it was a, it was a situation where we we were doing that and then one of our producers looked at it and goes, why don't you throw Lone Stars Winnebago in there from Spaceballs, and we just <laughs> did it. So if you look, Whoa. you see that.
4: Yeah, I, I didn't see that. I, I saw the Farscape one though. I thought that was interesting. I was like, huh. But yeah, I I really enjoyed the uh, the story and I look forward to seeing more. And uh, yeah, it was really fun to watch. Thank you for well, thank uh, doing it. So. I think that, that was, yeah, dope. yeah, <laughs> All
2: right,
1: yeah. Thank and, you, sir. And,
2: uh, I got to say thank you so much, Joshua, for taking time out of your filming schedule to hang out and yes, truck talk with us on Truck Talking. We really Anytime. appreciate having you on. And uh, when you when you wrap everything up, we'll have to have you back on again. Thank you, Jim. It means a lot. Truly, it does. And thank you, you guys so have a much. Great show. And, and, Say hello to Ray for us. He, he's been on the podcast a couple of times as well. So say hello to Ray for us. He's kind of a Will friend of do, the podcast. man. I should,
6: I, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping to see him tomorrow. So.
2: All right. Thanks a lot, Josh, and you have a great night. Thanks, man. Okay. Keep thank you. Him. Good work. Soon,
6: thank you. Thank you. Okay.
2: Bye-bye. <laughs> right. Bye-bye. All right, guys. So you can go on YouTube and you can check out the Avalon Universe. There, Like you said, there's about 13 films there. Please go and check them out. Well, now it's that part of the show where we do our
1: birthdays.
2: That was not a Klingon song. And we always start off our birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us and for that we turn to Eric
3: who's on mute
2: who's as is, is Eric still here with us Eric
4: calling on X calling on X okay mm. okay
2: well uh, Paul would you like to jump in for Eric and Eric can jump in for you when your
5: part comes sure man I can be the the relief pitcher Okay, let's just jump over. Just give me 20 seconds here to reposition my uh, laptop,
2: and okay. we'll rock and roll. All
5: Thanks right. for being so patient. Not a this problem. This is live radio, friends. You never know what's going to happen on live radio, isn't it true? Nope.
4: <laughs> you don't. Okay. <laughs> you could hear right, we'll me in the background.
5: As Uncle Jim said, this is kind of the part of the show that's that's really interesting because we go back and we remember folks who passed on and the folks who sort of, you know, have moved into what we kind of think of as like, you know, legendary status, right, because they've done so much stuff. And so uh, I think this one will uh, resonate for a lot of folks. But first of all, these are, uh, we're going to say happy birthday and fond remembrance to actress B.B. Besh who is really well-known to Star Trek fans for playing the role of Carol Marcus in Wrath of Khan, which is, you know, really legendary, right? I mean, absolutely fantastic uh, performance. She was just great in that. Um, really, really outstanding. Uh, done a ton of work in her career. And it's just really, you know, I mean, Wrath of Khan, I mean, we just all know it, right? And it's just, uh, it's fantastic stuff. Uh you know, a really great uh, show with a lot of uh, conviction from her performance. I mean, it's just she kind of was just indelible. She was in an, uh, another great classic picture that a lot of us know, uh, the movie Tremors. I think a lot of folks remember Tremors very fondly. Um, ER, uh, Steel Magnolias. She was in Steel Magnolias in that picture. So she's done a, a ton of work um, in her career, and uh, we certainly miss her, but uh, always be a huge part of the Star Trek universe. Really uh, want to say a huge uh, nod of remembrance to this next performer who is just great, um, really big fan. Uh, Jeremy Kemp uh, is the English actor who, in that classic fourth season episode, Family, that was the follow-up to Best of Both Worlds, right? Jeremy Kemp played uh, Jean-Luc Picard's brother, Robert, in that episode, right? Kind of a stern, judgmental, slightly bitter uh, Brother, they're trying to like find a way to communicate and put things together and resolve their past differences. And it was just such a great follow up episode to, you know, uh, to the whole Borg abduction bit for Picard, where we really got to see basically, you know, it became a study of trauma. How do other people in your family relate to you if you've experienced trauma? And Jeremy Kemp uh, did that as well. I don't know if there's any. Space 1999 fans listening to the podcast, but uh, uh, Jeremy Kemp is also famous for being in a really classic uh, first season uh, episode of that series called uh, Voyager's Return, where he played this sort of infamous uh, scientist who invents a form of like a star drive that's lethal. basically kills everybody that the ship passed, that should go past on their planet. So it's an inadvertent genocide as a result of that. But just a tremendous actor. Uh, Really, really great. So happy birthday to Jared McKenzie. Happy birthday also uh, to the great John Fielder. Uh, we acknowledge John Fielder for his work in Star Trek, of course, because uh, he, if you go back to the original series, um, one that we love, one that we've seen uh, uh, a hundred times, is Wolf in the Fold, that great Jack the Ripper episode, right? Absolutely great. And if you've heard, you may not know John Fielder by name, but I guarantee you, you (laughs) would know him if you saw him. Because can you hear me uh, now? Jack. For a lot of people, most famous for can you playing. Hear me? uh Yes. Hello, sir. Oh, How are you? Oh, crap.
0: Okay. <laughs> Thank you.
4: <laughs> it's okay. I'm just go finishing on, off John Fielder, and I can,
5: <laughs> I can pass the baton to you with the next uh, the next person here. But John Fielder, of course, is the voice of Piglet <laughs> in the Winnie the Pooh cartoons, right? did a million, million, million of them. He's just one of those character actors who played a little kind of, you know, mousy dude and turned it into a stellar career where he was in The Great 12 Angry Men in 1957. He was in The Odd Couple with Dow and Jack Lemmon. He was in True Grit with John Wayne. I mean, this guy had such a legendary career um, just playing variations of that same kind of little timid guy, which he kind of, turned on its head, playing him as, you know, the the killer uh, possessed in Wolf in the Fold. So really a delightful character, um, part of most of our childhoods at one point or another, because those two cartoons live on, and uh, so my own kid watches them, and uh, um, it's just a great, uh, great portrayal. So happy birthday, John Fielder. I am not one to shoehorn in on another Good Friends segment, so this is the Eric segment. So I'm going to pass this over to you, man, if you are uh, back from, I think you were stuck in the airlock. Something I happened? you or a know, bathroom,
0: sometimes. You get, yeah, sometimes you get stuffed in the airlock and, you know, takes a little while to get out. So uh, we're also saying happy birthday this week to Stephen D. Mines. He's the actor who played Lieutenant Robert Tomlinson in the TOS first season episode, Balance of Terror, probably one of the best of all time. Mines was a regular cast member on the daytime soap opera As the World Turns from 1966 through 1968. He also portrays characters uh, in 1961's episodes of Bronco, Pete and Gladys, and 87th Precinct. He appeared in the 1962 film Mr. Hobbs Takes a Vacation in 1964's episode of uh, The Lieutenant which, of course, was a series created by Gene Roddenberry. So uh, Stephen D. Mines, many uh, things in his career of interest. Happy birthday to you, sir. Happy birthday as well to Sam Gilman. He's the actor who portrayed Doc Holliday. That's right, the Doc Holliday in the TOS third season episode, Spectre of the Gun, one of those, like, just really super classic episodes. He appeared in several films uh, starring Marlon Brando, Isn't that interesting? Uh, Beginning with an uncredited role in the 1950 film The Men, Uh, Gilman followed this with an appearance in Brando's The Wild One in 1953, and that same year he appeared in the biblical epic The Robe, starring Gene Simmons, no, not that one, Jim, Uh, who would co-star with Marlon Brando the following year in Desiree, in which Gilman also appeared. So lots of like really cool film relationships there. So sort of overlapping people. Sam gilman we lost. gene, him, Simmons, gene Simmons, Admiral yes, yes, who just had a birthday like a couple weeks ago on our podcast. Uh, it was very exciting to like talk about her again. um We lost Sam gilman all the way back in 1985, you guys. It's hard to me like imagine it was that long ago but he was only 70 years old when we lost uh our doc holiday happy birthday sam happy birthday as well to miguel ferrer he's the american actor who played the executive officer of the uss excelsior in star trek 3 the search for spock he's also known of course for his role as bob morton in the 87 robocop the og and for playing FBI agent Albert Rosenfield on the cult television series Twin Peaks. Yes, he has been in all the cool things. He later became known for his role as Dr. Garrett Macy on NBC's drama series Crossing Jordan and as an assistant director, uh, oh, and as assistant direct ranger on the CBS series NCIS Los Angeles from 2012 to 2017. Uh so happy birthday to Miguel Ferrer lost just in 2017 at the young age of 61. Happy birthday as well to Cecily Adams. Cecily Adams was an actress and casting director who played Ishka in four episodes of DS9. Yes. She also did a cameo Ooh. as a holographic patron in Vic's Lounge in What You Leave Behind. She actually took the role of Ishka, which, uh, Ishka, you guys, who is Ishka? Let us know.
4: Moogie.
0: There she is, Moogie. <laughs> she took over the role of Moogie from Andrea Martins. Although she played Armin Shimmerman and Max Grudincheck's mother on the series, she was actually nine years and six months younger than them. Her other television roles include guest appearances on Simon & Simon, Quincy, The Equalizer, uh, lots of shows from that time period. She was also in Total Recall 2070. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Adams was primarily a casting director as well. She served in this capacity for the television sitcoms Third Rock from the Sun, you may have heard of that, as well as That 70s Show, as well as such films as The Forgotten One from 1991, The Homeroom from uh, 2002, and also served as a casting assistant on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is just a great movie that I freaking love. So, Cecilia Adams, thank you so much for your Star Trek contributions. Lost in 2004 at the age of 46 years old, you guys. Um, unfortunately, lung cancer, yeah. Happy birthday. And last but not least, we're saying happy birthday to Michael Strong. He was the actor who appeared as Dr. Roger Corby in the TOS first season episode What Are Little Girls Made Of, our first Android episode. He's probably best known for his supporting role as Brigadier General Hobart Carver in the Academy Award-winning 1970 film Patton. That movie is something else, y'all. Go check it out. Uh, He has many, many other credits along the way. I am not going to belabor them, but we lost him all the way back in 1980. Michael Strong would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Michael Strong. And that, you guys, does it for our remembrances, so take it away, Charles. Oh, thank you, Eric.
3: Let's start off with John Mahan, Fleet Admiral Gardner in Star Trek Enterprises fourth season episode In a Mirror Darkly Part 2. As we always ask about admirals, Eric. Uh,
0: Yeah, well, In a Mirror Darkly 2, like Evil evil, right? Honestly. Alright.
3: <laughs> Happy birthday to Stephen Mahatty, Canadian actor who played Rennick in Star Trek Deep Space Nine six season episode in the pale moonlight. It's a fake. Happy birthday to Matt Wilson, who played the temporal agent Daniels in eight episodes of Star Trek Enterprise. <clears throat> Happy birthday to Lisa Adams, who played Lysani in Star Trek Enterprises 4th season episode, near Happy birthday to David Hagner, who played Zach Nijen in Star Trek Strange New World 2nd season episode, Among the Lotus Eaters. <whistles> Happy birthday to Rico Sisto, who played the Cat in Star Trek Next Generation 6. Third season episode, Sarek. And also, a happy birthday to Rissa Arhin, actress who played young Michael Burnham in the first and second season of Star Trek Discovery. Paul, back to you and see who's on your living list.
5: Thanks, Charles. Appreciate it, brother. First of all, we're going to say hello to uh, actor Tim Winters uh, from good old Lebanon, Oregon, just down the road from us here in Portland, who played Daro in the Star Trek Next Generation fourth season episode of The Wounded, if memory serves, that was a core introduction to the Cardassians, if I'm not mistaken. I hope I'm right. I hope I'm right. I hope I'm pronouncing Tim's name correctly. <laughs> you just never know on live radio. But happy birthday, Mr. Winters. And uh, are you still in Oregon, I wonder? And uh, do you ever get uh, harassed by Oregonian Star Trek fans who are a uh, very... Uh, uh, expressive laugh.
0: <laughs> eclectic bunch. Certainly. Is that what you were? Looking eclectic
5: around? bunch. Yeah, I think we're enthusiastic fans here in Oregon. Is what I would say. <laughs> yeah. Happy, happy birthday to Richard Lineback, who played Romas in the Next Generation first season episode Symbiosis. Played Selen Piers in Deep Space Nine's first season episode Dax. And Keswick in the Enterprise third season episode, The Zindi. So very cool, Richard Lineback. You've been all over the franchise, it seems. Very, very cool. Uh, Happy Birthday also goes out to Pamela Ferdin, who played Mary in the uh, original series, third season episode, and The Children Shall Lead, featuring a memorable turn by uh, famous litigator Melvin Belli. Uh, as a spectral, spectral angel of ill repute. Let's, let's leave it at
0: that. <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> there we go.
5: There we go. And uh, and then uh, on the other end of the spectrum, we have the delightful Alice Eve, who played Carol Marcus in Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, I would say that Alice Eve has a publicity still that may possibly never be forgotten in terms of the annals of star trek it has been passed around in particular on the web page of this program more than i could possibly express look it up but look it up. uh yeah 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 alice eve um yeah I, I don't think you'll have to look very far to know what i'm talking about is isn't it interesting that we are tonight honoring both actresses who played carol marcus
1: mm-hmm. yeah cool. because we had bb cool.
5: bash earlier at the yep. start of the remembrance uh, segment And then, right now,
0: uh,
5: Alice Eve,
0: who played the other universe,
5: very strange, very very cool. So, happy birthday, Alice Eve! Happy birthday, Carol Marcus, wherever you are. I'm sure that your story is not yet resolved. (laughs) You may show up on the um, uh, the Avalon universe for all. There we go. So, yeah, continue on the Carol Marcus story. Happy birthday to uh, science fiction luminary, <laughs> Billy Mummy. I'll have to always have to call you Billy. Sorry, Bill. But uh, who played Kellen in Deep Space Nine, seven-season episode, The Siege of AR-558, Lanier on all five seasons of Babylon 5, and of course, who I grew up with, young Will Robinson in Lost in Space, Danger robot Will tinkering Will and good friend of Dr. Smith, don't you know, Will? I Oh, I would help your father with that, Will, but my back is, oh, the pain, <laughs> the pain, Will. If you could help me to my chair, I'm sure I'll be doing much better soon. So, yeah, Bill Mummy, uh, all over the Sci-Fi Channel in a number of different appearances, hosting various shows for many years, writes a ton, uh, convention fixture par excellence. Everybody loves Bill Mummy, so uh, absolutely great to be able to say. I hope you're having a rock and roll birthday, man and uh what a what a incredible uh stamp you've left in science fiction across your involvement uh through all the various uh roles and uh and occupations so good for you sir super excited to have this next individual super excited to be able to wish a a very uh, conjunction free birthday greetings to the great <laughs>
1: <laughs>
5: I meant to say excuse me I meant to say contraction free I perhaps I know I what you a, meant yeah perhaps I need lubricating or some kind of servicing perhaps my neural net is not functioning correctly I am not sure why I am not talking correctly positronic about the yeah. my positronic net or whatever it might be whatever you nerds talk about jeez
1: <laughs> get a
5: jump, people it's just a television show my god what's wrong with you all I don't understand But we're here to honor the birthday of the absolutely wonderful, absolutely amazing Brent Spiner. Best known for playing the android Starfleet officer Lieutenant Commander Data on Next Generation, at least four Star Trek films, several episodes of Star Trek Picard, and off-screen in These Are the Voyages, the final episode of Star Trek Enterprise. He also played Data's brother Lore and father, Dr. Noonien Sung, in all kinds of different episodes across the spectrum of the next generation. And in 2002, he played b for Star Trek Nemesis. I think that must be a typo. I, I don't think that movie actually got made, as I recall. I think it was actually uh, It did. It's del-
0: better than you think.
1: It, it, it,
5: it was deleted, I think, right? Yeah, that's, what, I mean, that's, what, that's what my information... Yeah, it, it, something <laughs> happened there. At the, yeah, uh, it's got a little asterisk next to it, so uh, we'll move on. He appeared as Eric Soong, uh, in a three-episode arc on Enterprise and as Alton Soong and Adam Soong on Picard. So what I can say, Brent Spiner, is milk that paycheck, brother. All the songs they're willing to come up with, with new songs, <laughs> keep on trucking in the free world. But this guy's great. Brent Spiner is awesome. I mean, he truly, truly is. He's played uh, the Joker. Uh, before on uh, Batman, the audio adventures. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't know that, but he huh. did. He's been on Petty, Gentle, uh, that show, Justice League, The Blacklist, um, really famously for me. Um, he had a wonderful turn as Dr. Brackish in Independence Day. It's like the, the the head scientist at Area 51, which is just awesome. Uh, he just did a great job in that. And, uh, I gotta say in this most recent season of Picard that got all the acolytes and, uh, and Saturn awards, uh, this weekend, um, Spider's just great. I mean, he's still just so terrific. And, uh, you just see him at conventions and he's just very accessible and friendly and funny. And, uh, he's a very talented musician as well. Uh, very, very talented and, uh, has had a really great career. And, uh, I just wish that we saw more of him because he's super talented and, uh, and just a great figure and, uh, and a delightful presence. You know, I mean the, the what he did with the arc of data across seven seasons of next gen uh, it's really fantastic because he basically took what could have been a really one-dimensional role and he turned it into an exemplification of what it means to search for your humanity and uh, and just did a remarkable job with that. So uh, really made it an indelible performance. So Brent Spiner, I'm holding up my imaginary glass in your direction, sir, and I salute you. Please don't be done. Uh, please keep acting and please sh- keep sharing your talents with us hopefully in more Star Trek, because it seems to me uh, we kind of left Data with a lot of stuff that he could still be involved in at the end of that last episode. I would love to see you do more. I would many, many other fans. Fun fact, if you've ever seen the documentary Trekkies, I don't know, I'm assuming most of you yeah. have, but yeah, yeah. Um, one of my favorite moments of that, I I don't think I could ever stop laughing when uh, they were interviewing these fans in, I want to say it was in Germany. I think it was in Germany. I could be wrong. But it was like these female fans who had formed a special group, a special fan group devoted to worshiping Brent Spiner, and the name of their group was, they called themselves, was Spiner Femmes. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, the
5: funniest. Oh, That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Spiner Femmes. So, not only huh. all of your acting, acting accolades, uh, Brent Spiner, but you've also gifted that turn a phrase into the language, and it will never be forgotten. So thank you Mm -hmm. for giving us data. Thank you for giving us Spiner Femmes, because we love them, and uh, wishing you the best. And I will now pass this super long-winded transition over to Uncle Jim. All right. Thank you, Paul.
2: First, we want to start off by saying happy birthday to Jeanette Goldstein. She played the science officer aboard the USS Enterprise B, Star Trek Generations. She also voiced the Enterprise Computer, In the Short Treks episode Q&A and Ephraim and Dot. Two excellent episodes. But, wait, there's more. She also appeared in Terminator 2 Judgment Day as John's foster mother. But, 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 all of us know and love her as Private Vasquez from Aliens a role which won her a Saturn Award for Best Support. Oh, she's the best. The
1: she best. is
2: absolutely awesome. So happy birthday to Jeanette Goldstein. And a lot of fans are surprised they don't when they find out that she was played in all three of those franchise. So happy birthday to Jeanette Goldstein. We also want to say happy birthday to Ethan Phillips, best known to Star Trek fans for playing Neelix through all of Star Trek Voyager. And we want to say happy birthday to Sam Bartholomew, LaFol- who is an American actor who played Ensign Danby Connor in Star Trek Discovery first season episodes, The Vulcan Hello, and Battle of the Binary Stars. He would come back to play Danby Connor again in Despite Yourself, and he was killed
0: twice. Twice. He died twice, <laughs> which is pretty cool. <laughs> One of the cool things about a Star Trek Discovery death is it could be more than once
2: and it was and i always save the klingons for last guys and i've got a good one we want to say kapla a hearty kapla to john shuck who played the klingon ambassador in star trek for the voyage home and star trek 6 the undiscovered country but wait he also played dr Antok in star trek enterprise four season episodes affliction and divergence that's the one where we find out about the Klingons melting ridges.
1: And we do to talk plays about it.
2: A Cardassian uh, in <laughs> Star Trek Deep Space Nine, second season episode, The Maquis, part two. And chorus number two in Star Trek Voyager's sixth season episode, The Muse. And that, my friends, wraps up tonight's show. I want to say thank you so much to Joshua for coming on and sharing his experiences with us about working on fan films in the avalon universe i want to say thank you to paul for coming on and hanging out and trek talking with us thank you paul fun show tonight man a lot of good stuff going on it's good times lots of fun lots of fun and thank you so much to eric for hanging out and trek talking with us tonight thank you eric
0: yeah thanks guys great time as always
2: and thank you so much to charles for hanging out with us thank you charles
0: Oh, thank you for bringing Josh
3: back. He's always fun talking with him, and he really gives a great insight of what they do on Doob, that production.
2: Absolutely. And thank you so much to David for hanging out with us. Even though he didn't bring enough donuts for everybody, that's okay. Thank it's you, David. Okay.
4: And the next universe, or any other universe, you guys are always fun to talk to. And i have plenty ah, of donuts ah. And um,
2: I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I want to remind you guys that next week we're going to have a free-for-all. We're just going to talk about Section 31. Um, I'll try to dig up as much information as I can on the new production, and we're going to talk about it. So you definitely want to hang out with us next Thursday if you're a Michelle Yo fan or if you have anything you want to share with us about Section 31. So, guys, Uh, Hailing frequencies are closed. Please be good to each other and stay safe. And remember, Star Trek fans are the best fans. Good night, everybody.
3: Good night. Live long and prosper.
5: Go Go boldly. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Continuum. We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your feeble mortal minds cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we of course already knew that you would call and we simply do not care. Have a nice day.
7: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him.